Hey there, we have had a month full of wonderful guests and I cannot wait to introduce you to our last guest this month, Rachel Nielsen of the 3 and 30 podcast. She has an amazing podcast and I feel so lucky, lucky and honored to have her on my podcast and she was so generous and opened up more about her story of having an eating disorder and how she's worked through it and how she's still working through this process of finding food and body freedom in her life and her story is beautiful and the things that she shares is so are so beautiful with us and I really hope that you have a lot of takeaways and a lot of Um, aha moments for your own journey, whether or not you're struggling with an eating disorder, which if you are struggling with an eating disorder, please, please, please reach out to a licensed clinical therapist. Reach out. They can get you help. They can get you very specialized help. If you feel like your relationship with food and your body is a little messy, you've been on and off diets, you, you really struggle, but it's not a level of an eating disorder then join me in the food freedom program. We talk a little bit about it, but um, I just, I really wanted to differentiate the two for you and recognize that Rachel shares some things in here that are very specific to an eating disorder. And if you feel any of those feelings, please reach out. She has some episodes that she shared more about that on her podcast that I've linked in here. Um, And I just want you to know that wherever you're at, you have that support. So this is not a space... I'm not a clinical licensed uh, therapist to help with that, but there are so many people out there that can help with that. If that is something you struggle with, please reach out. Please don't hesitate. There is hope. and, And Rachel shares a lot about that in there. And if you just have kind of a messy, like I said, relationship with food and it's not the level of an eating disorder, we talk a lot about, you know, what it looks like to find food freedom. And I hope that if you are needing that support in that way, that you will consider joining us in the food freedom program when the door is open again. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Rachel. Welcome to the Woman of Wellness podcast, a show for the woman who wants to make peace with food, love her body, and find joy in exercise and movement. I'm Elizabeth, exercise physiologist and women's nutrition and wellness coach here to spread the message that it is absolutely possible for you to enjoy food, exercise, and your body without guilt, shame, or regret. To the woman who is fed up with dieting, feels trapped in a body she wishes she could love, or who lets food and fitness rules overtake her life, it's time to put a hard stop on diet culture and discover wellness within. My friend, you are already a woman of wellness. Your worth is more than a number on the scale. You are worthy of showing up in love for your body today and every day. On this podcast, I want you to show up as yourself beautifully imperfect and gain confidence to accomplish anything you set your mind to. I believe that every woman has the gift of knowing what her body truly wants and needs within herself, and I'm here to help you discover it. Join me each week for conversations about food, fitness, weight loss, and wellness to help you achieve your goals and love taking care of your unique body. It's a lie that wellness has to be hard, painful, and downright miserable, and I'm ready to link arms with you and experience the joy of wellness together. Okay, I am so 
excited to be interviewing a special guest today, Rachel Nielsen. She has an amazing podcast. And so I'm, I was telling her I'm a little nervous to be interviewing the podcasting queen, but I'm really excited to be talking to you today because we um, have kind of connected through business, but I know that you shared a lot about your own food freedom story. And so I just reached out and said, let's, let's share a little bit more about your story. And I want to help women understand what it might look like from different perspectives and coming from different areas and different relationships with food and body and how you're working on your own path toward healing and all of that. So before we get started, will you just tell us a little bit more about you? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This topic is very near and dear to my heart. I love your work. I think about how much it would have benefited me to have listened to your podcast, you know, 10 years ago when I was in the throes of an eating disorder, which we're going to talk more about, but um, there just wasn't, I had never heard of intuitive eating. I had never heard of food freedom 10 years ago. I feel like it's become so much more mainstream now. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for people like you that are, that are talking about this. So thank you for that. And um, so I'm Rachel and my podcast is three and 30 takeaways for moms. Uh, in every episode, I share three takeaways in a 30 minute episode, hence three and 30. And I live in the mountains in Idaho and I love it here in a small town. And I have two kids. Um, my son Noah was adopted and my daughter Sally was conceived with IVF. So I went through a lot of years of infertility, which definitely fed my eating disorder. I used food to try to control the emotions I was feeling around infertility and my grief. And that's um, kind of when I, I think I always struggled um, with body image stuff, but that's when it really like came to a head was during my infertility journey and have done a lot of counseling and I'm in a much better place now and talk about not exclusively about this, but I have talked about it on my podcast and have some different episodes about my eating disorder experience and the tools that have helped me. Yeah. And we talked a little bit before we, we can link, um, some of those episodes here, but I love one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is that you, you talk a lot about the things that we talk about in the food freedom program and the women here know what that is. Um, but I really wanted to share that journey because I think there's power in hearing other women's journeys with mm. when I was in school and all of that, it was all about, is this statistically significant? And is this scientifically proven and all of these mm. things, but I really believe in the power of personal story and your journey and sharing your journey with someone else and hearing maybe something popping up for them. That's like, Oh, I feel relatable to that. Right. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And I can take some of the parts that Rachel has learned from and grown from and implement into my own food freedom journey. And so that's really why I'm so glad that you're here and ask you to be here because I want to talk a little bit more about your journey and what it's looked like, as well as what it looks like now, because, hmm. you know, it's not a, it's not a destination. It really is a journey and we're still working toward that journey. Yes, absolutely. You said that so well. Journey is a perfect word for it because when you asked me to come on, I felt a little hesitant because I don't feel like I have this all figured out. I don't feel like I can be someone that's like, I had an eating disorder and now I'm completely free and I never have negative thoughts about my body. And my relationship with food is, you know, so easy because that's not, that wouldn't be accurate. I still have things that I struggle with, 
but I have come so far. And that's the hope that I want to give. If there's any women listening who are in a really dark, hard place, all consuming place where they're, you know, they feel self-loathing and all they can think about is food and their body and those things. I have been there and it is, it is so hard to be there. And I just hope that if someone listening is in that place, then they have a little bit of hope from my story that it gets so much better. It can get so much better. And though I don't have everything all figured out, I am no longer in that place. I no longer feel self-loathing on a daily basis. I have a full life that doesn't center around worrying about every morsel that I'm putting into my mouth and what people are thinking about what I look like. You know, I, my life is full of light and hope and goodness and yours can be too, to everyone who's listening. I love that. And I love what you brought in. We talk a lot about feelings are allowed around here. It's okay to feel hard feelings and to feel whatever you're feeling. And and the hope of this podcast is really to give that hope of healing and recognize that healing looks different for everyone. And it is that journey. Mm. So tell us kind of when did it click for you that you could live a life without this fight, right? You were, you were dealing with an eating disorder and your relationship with your body. And you shared a little bit about, you know, it was attached to fertility. And I know it was also attached to your relationship with your mom who had cancer at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what were your first steps? What did it look like to begin this process of healing? Yeah. I think, um, when you ask, like, when did it click for me that a life without this fight was possible? I would say, that at the very beginning, um, I, it didn't click for me that it was possible. Like, it's not like all of a sudden I was like, I can see the possibility that there's a way out because it really almost felt like there wasn't a way out, but I just had desperate hope that there was a way out. So like, I was just, I, I had reached such a low that I just couldn't continue living that way. Um, I recognized that what I was doing was extremely harmful to my body. I had started like throwing up and um, I would do things like I would lie to my husband and leave the house and like I'd tell him that I was going to run an errand and then I would go and like drive through multiple drive throughs and binge and then I'd throw up and I just was like, this is not just like I can't like this cannot continue. My life cannot continue this way. And I just have to hope that it's possible to overcome this, even though it seems impossible. And so my first step was to just Google um, eating disorder therapists in my area. I recognized that I had a real problem and I had to get like brave enough to, to do that Google search. And that involved like being honest with my husband about how bad it was. And he had, he had an idea um, because he witnessed more than anyone. He witnessed a lot of my behaviors, but he didn't know it all. Nobody knew it all. And so I had to get honest with him and, um, with my family and do that Google search and a few different, um, eating counseling centers came up in my area. And I just called them all and said, like, what's my first step and had kind of like an intake call. And the first one actually that I talked to, I felt really, we had like a 30 minute, just kind of like a get to know you. And I felt connected to her and I, and she had a history with eating disorders and she was in such a good place that again, like you were saying, like hearing people's stories and like seeing hope, seeing an example, 
of what's possible on the other side. I just felt that I could trust her and that she could be like a mentor to me of somebody that had overcome this. And so I started going to therapy. Um, I did not do inpatient therapy, but I did therapy twice a week, one, one, one-on-one and one small group therapy each week. And at first it felt so slow. Like when you're in it, it feels so slow. Like I'm not changing. I'm learning all of this and it's coming into my head and it makes sense, but my behavior's not changing and this isn't going to work. You know, like when you're in it, it seems that way. I even remember after some of my appointments, my, um, my counselor's office was right next to a bakery and I would leave her office and I would go and I would buy like four cupcakes and eat them all. And I'm like, see, this isn't working. Like if this was working, then I wouldn't be doing this binging. But I think that it's all part of the process. Like I was, it makes sense to me now. Like I was doing intense work in those sessions and the only coping tools that I had, the coping tool that I was like, that I knew was, was binging. And so of course that's what I did after that intense session, but that didn't mean that it wasn't slowly sinking in like stuff was sinking in more than I realized. And over time, after I realized if I want to get a cupcake from that bakery, I can anytime I want, I don't need to like eat four and binge because tomorrow my diet's going to start, you know, that whole cycle. And so over time, like I started noticing, I just got one cupcake at the bakery or I just thought I don't really want a cupcake today and drove by it, you know, and it was just like this slow, slow thing that I think that it was probably six months into therapy that I, that's when I would say that it clicked that, oh my gosh, I am changing slowly and this is possible. I can see that it might be possible to overcome this. And I did that therapy with her for about nine months. And then I really felt like pretty, pretty solid. And, and so we were about to move. So it was a good time for me to kind of ease out of that therapy. And so looking back, I'm like nine months isn't that long to make that much progress with food. But when I was in it, it felt like an eternity. And that wasn't the end of my journey, but it was, it was a first like portion of my journey that took me from my desperate, desperate low to a much better place that I would never go at that low again, if that makes sense. Like I've had lows since then, but I have so many more tools than I had back at the very beginning so that I can sort of pull myself out more quickly before I get to that like low, low, low self-loathing place that I was in at the beginning. I love that. And I like to kind of think of it as a continuum, you know, everybody has their own low, right? So yours was the eating disorder and binging and purging and all of that. And everybody kind of has their, their low and recognizing that I love what you brought up. You talked about, first of all, just having hope that there was, there was hope that this could be healed, that this could be worked on, right? Regardless of wherever we are on the continuum and then recognizing this is where we start with module one in food freedom is it's about changing your brain. And a lot oh, yeah. of times it feels frustrating to try to change your brain because I'll have women be like, well, my actions aren't changing at first. And you have to kind of have that talk of like, trust the process and know, 
And in that, in the program, we talk about like introducing food back in all food and allowing it back in. And that can be very scary. And there are times where you'll binge and, and, and you'll have those times where like, how will I ever be able to pass that bakery without binging? How will I ever be able to eat one cupcake? But the work that you were doing emotionally and mentally is what led to the actions. And I, Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up because I think it's so important that we, we, change from the inside out. Yes. It's, we don't want it to be that way because it seems slower, but it's the only sustainable way to change is from the inside out. And so even if your actions don't change at all for a little while, that doesn't mean you're not changing. It's, it may be happening inside and it will emanate out from the inside. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up that conversation about time, because I think a lot of people fear time and you, you said, you know, it it felt like a really long time at Mm -hmm. first, but now that you look back at it, you realize how much growth occurred in that time. So what, how have you kind of worked through this concept of allowing time for your process of healing in your journey by kind of using that as a tool? Yeah. Um, I have a personality that I want everything to move quickly and I want to check things off. And so ideally, like, yeah, I would love to say, like, put on my to-do list, heal from my eating disorder and have it, you know, move quickly and check it off and be done. And so I do feel this urgency around time that I think you're describing that women feel where they're like, but this is going to take a long time and I need it to happen now. And I don't have enough time to do this work. Um, I think that just acknowledging that the abundance of time, like I have plenty of time for this, for everything that matters. Like I have plenty of time to do this work and this healing. It doesn't like when we have that scarcity around it, um, it feels so much more urgent in a way that's not helpful. And this can also be applied to other struggles you have in your life. Um, I have a friend who I was talking to her about some of the doubts and struggles and questions that I have with my faith. And I was feeling a lot of like urgency around that, that I need to like figure this out. And, and she said, you know, Rachel, you have your whole life to figure this out. Like there's no timeline. There's no, you know, take it day by day and answers will come and you can figure this out. And just knowing that gave me a lot of peace with that struggle. But I think that that's true also with food and with our bodies of like, I have my whole life to figure this out. And um, I can use that, like you said, as a to my benefit of um, just allowing the peace around, allowing it to give me peace, the idea that I don't have to change immediately that I can change little by little over the course of my whole life. And thinking that actually if in a year I'm in a way better place, like to me, a year feels so far away right now, but think to think back to a year ago right now, like it feels like yesterday, you know? And so if you change little by little over the course of a year, that's actually a ton of change that's happening, even though it doesn't feel like it when you're in it. So I don't know if that was a very concise answer, but just that I, I totally get the urgency around time, but it is not helpful to focus in on that. So just give yourself the space and, um, 
the time, the, the ability to reflect back on how far you've come, you know, do that so that you can see that it's not taking as long as you may think it is. Yeah. And maybe, you know, an affirmation here could be, I am worthy of taking time. I mean, your body is worthy of taking time. And yeah, that's a great, great mantra. Yeah. I remember a couple of years back, I was on a hike and I was also wanting to like something in my life to happen really quickly. And I was on this hilltop and I was looking all around at, at the view. It was beautiful. And the thought just came to me that everything in this forest grew in its own time. You know, the trees, mm. some are taller, some are shorter. Some, some years they grew faster because they, um, you know, there was more rain. Some years they grew slower and recognized that they created this beautiful landscape in their own time and they grew in their own time. And I think, what if we just allowed that to be? What if we just allowed time to be our friend rather than our enemy, right? You feel like this desperation. What if it was a friend instead of that enemy? Yeah. And I love that you referred back to nature. I think there's so many metaphors within nature. I think with trees, a lot of times they they go through seasons where their growth is all in their roots. And so it may look like that the tree isn't growing, but it's actually growing a lot underground, under the surface. And that's true of us too, that we may not see visible changes in our, you know, or others might not see them, but there's actually a ton of growth happening deep down, like in our roots that will eventually manifest in more of that outward um, growth. But just remembering your season, just, just like you said, just like nature. Yeah. So then what does it look like to be what I might call in the messy middle? Because, <laughs> you know, one of the things you said is, well, I don't know if I'm there yet or if I've fully, whatever, arrived. I don't know if that's yeah, right. Yeah. But, you know, what does it look like for you to continue to show up on this journey and work toward food freedom every day. I want women to understand that it's not a check off the list. It's a continual journey for them. Yeah. Um, so I've had years of ups and downs since I initially went to counseling. Um, that was about 10 years ago and counseling has been a really integral part of my journey. So I've pretty much done counseling that whole time. Um, not there's been times where I've taken like six months off or here or there, and I've seen different counselors all along the way. But anytime that I start to struggle again, I usually reach out for support to a counselor. It's been so, so helpful to me, but it's also kind of embarrassing to me that like, I've been in counseling for 10 years. Like what, you know, because we do think like I should have gotten that all tied up and, and finish that up and check that off. And I'm kind of like, yep, still going to counseling, you know? (laughs) But, um, the other day I was saying to my counselor who I've been seeing for almost the last five years has, she's, it's been the same one. And we talk twice a month and I sort of almost feel bad. Like she must be so sick of having me as a client. Like she must be like, I've been working with this girl for five years and she's making no progress. Like how discouraging for a practitioner, you know, that's how I'm looking at it. And I kind of said that to her the other day. I'm like, I am sorry that we're still having the same discussion and that I'm still, and she was like, I don't see it at all that way. She's like, I've known you for five years. I have seen huge growth and improvement in so many areas of your life. You're a completely different person than you were five years ago, you know? And so again, this goes back to that, 
like we can't always see the changes that are happening that are actually really apparent to other people. Um, and sometimes, so like in my journey, kind of being in the messy middle of it, sometimes I go for like a lot of months where I do really feel like I'm in the like in the groove of food freedom. Like I'm nurturing my body. I'm, I'm really honoring it and respecting it. I'm not thinking about food all the time or, you know, I I'm just feeling good. And then all of a sudden I'll have six months or a year where I am struggling again with my body and like healing isn't linear and we want it to be, but it's not. And so I guess my commitment is just that I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up on this. I am going to believe that food freedom is possible, that my body deserves to be deeply nurtured, um, and that I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to ever like start betraying my body again for some ideal, some like social ideal of what my body should look like. And so even if it's messy, like I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to keep on this journey, which um, you and I talk, have talked a lot about business. And one of my business friends told me once that she tells herself, my success is inevitable as long as I keep going, which I love that. Um, and that's so applicable to so many different areas of our life and business or otherwise. But I think that this really applies to this concept of like, developing a healthy relationship with our bodies is like, as long as I keep going, my success is, is inevitable. Um, I'm not giving up. And so I feel like I'm in kind of a low right now with some of this stuff, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Keep showing up. That's kind of the phrase that I use. As long as you keep showing up, you're going to get where you want to be. Yes. And I love that you shared that it's not perfect and you have downtimes. And I actually had a client um, a few months ago ask me, I'm doing all this work on my relationship with healing my body and all this stuff. And she said, am I ever going to get to a point where I just like love my body all the time and never feel negative about it and all this stuff. And I said, no, I said, and it's okay. It's okay. That's not the end answer, but it's a no, but you are going to have times you're the majority of the time you're going to be doing pretty well, right? We're, we're, we're just like compared to when we're sick versus healthy. Most of the time we're pretty healthy. We're not catching colds left and right. I hope. Mm, um, yeah. There are times where we get sick, we catch a cold. And when that happens, we know it's going to happen. When it happens, what do we do? Do we go out and run the marathon and push and, and, and try to like push through it and all of that? we rest, we recover, we try to take extra good care of our bodies. And I love that you brought that in because you basically said, you know, when I, when I have these lower times, that's the times where I, I need to spend a little bit more time taking better care. And, and you talked about on the continuum of like, I'll never go. I hope I never go back to that low, low place because I have tools that I know how to help myself recover. Yes. To, you know, when I deviate, how to like, get back on the course, basically return to where I want to be because you have that knowledge and it's okay that you're not on the path, <laughs> you know, straight. Like you said, I wrote it down actually healing isn't linear mm -hmm. and it really, it's okay. It's okay to say that it's not linear. So I'm really, really glad that you shared that with us. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I wish it was linear, but that's just not the way that's not the way that 
pretty much anything that matters in life goes like, it's just not linear. Yeah. And there's beauty in not linear, right? I mean, when you think about the lessons that you've learned in your life, how many more lessons have you learned from the things that have gone wrong or not? What oh yeah. Expected? Definitely. I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie, a beautiful mind about yeah. the, the, um, the mathematician, I think John Nash is his name. Um, he had schizophrenia and throughout the, um, this is a total spoiler. <laughs> Hopefully nobody don't, minds, don't listen but <laughs> yeah, throughout the movie, he has these friends and these people in his life that, you know, uh, that are real, right. They're just characters in the story. And then partway through the movie, you realize as he realizes that these people aren't real, they're part of his, um, his disease and, um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for him to realize that like these people that he's had relationships with are just, are not real. Um, at the, at the very end of the movie, he's doing so much better. Um, and an interviewer comes, he's an old man and an interviewer comes to talk to him about his schizophrenia. And he says like, um, do you ever like see them still? Or do you ever struggle with this still sort of, and, in the shot, it's so powerful, but John Nash like kind of looks over the interviewer story and those characters, those friends are, they're just like walking, you know, a, a little ways away, but they're right there. And he kind of says every day I see them, but I don't, I don't talk to them anymore. And it's just like such a powerful reminder that a lot of times the things that we struggle with will always be with us. And that's okay, but we don't have to like engage them. We don't have to feed them or let them control us, even if they are kind of there. And that's, that's how I feel with eating disorder stuff is like, it's always kind of there, but it's up to me whether I, I, you know, turn to that, um, or whether I, instead turn to like the tools I've learned from therapy and different coping methods, um, and engage with those, but they're never going to probably totally be gone. Those kind of those, those thoughts and feelings that I had, but I can still live a very full, happy life, even if they're, you know, they're in the distance. Yeah. And they, and they mold you into who you are. And I think give you the opportunity to help someone else, right? You're here sharing your story and, and that's an opportunity. I hope to help someone else that may be feeling a lot of these similar feelings. Yeah. And my therapists have helped me see that like a lot with my eating disorder, um, or disordered eating, whatever women listening relate to. Um, it was, it was like a way it supported me. So it's not like I have to like hate myself for having that problem or even hate that problem. Like the fact is, is that I went through some really hard things and I didn't have tools to support me and my eating disordered eating helped me to cope. And similar to like the John Nash thing, like those, the, his, um, his friends supported him and got him through some really difficult times in his life that he kind of, but then he, got the medical help that he needed to no longer need that support. And that's true also for us. Like we can look back on our past experiences and kind of honor them and respect them and be like, I did the best that I could um, at that time. And now I have better tools, um, but I can sort of forgive that like part of my life that was really dark and hard because I was just doing the best that I could with the tools that I had. Absolutely. I love that. We talk about 
being good enough around here and recognizing that your efforts, wherever they are, are good enough right now. And as you work, your good enough will expand. Mm-hmm. They're always good enough where they are. And then as you continue to grow, the good enough expands in your own realm. Yes, absolutely. So I kind of want to do something fun <laughs> um, because your podcast is all about three takeaways in 30 minutes. So I know we've kind of like had a lovely conversation about all of this stuff. If someone was listening and they're like, I want to take three takeaways from this episode. I feel like we have to do that because it's Rachel and that's your podcast. And um, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them about your own journey or for women who want that piece with their food? What could be three takeaways they could leave with and feel hope or whatever? Okay. So I think um, the first takeaway I think would be, I would say to start to journal some of your, some of this food freedom process, because journaling for me has been the way that I have been able to process as well as kind of chronicle my growth and actually see my growth happening. So if you start writing you know, what was hard for you that day with food or small victories that you had that you noticed like, oh, I made this choice that was really nurturing to my body instead of punishing it. And that was such a small thing, but it happened. And like, you write it down. I remember at the end of that first um, round of counseling that I did, like doing a writing exercise where they kind of, she kind of had me like, look back and see how I changed And it was so powerful for me to read back to the beginning of my journey and where I had been at then compared to now. It made it clear to me that although I wasn't perfectly healed, I had made tons of progress. So that would be my first takeaway is to spend a few minutes, you know, ideally every day, but that seems like a big, um, you know, some women may not be able to do that. Just a few minutes, a couple times a week journaling about your journey towards food freedom. So that, that would be takeaway number one. Love that. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's just hear Okay. Um, <laughs> or have as many as you have, if you want to share one or two, that's fine. Too. Okay. Um, my second takeaway kind of goes right along with that. Um, if you want a specific journaling exercise, one that I did was my counselor had me write, um, the story of my relationship with my eating disorder. And she had me write how my eating disorder and I met, where we were at, like in the present, so past, present, and then future, like what my life would be like without my eating disorder in it. And if you don't relate to like eating disorder, if you don't feel like that fits you, maybe you write that same story of like your relationship with food, where you kind of embody it So she wanted me to embody my eating disorder as a character outside of myself. Like if this were a friend of mine that I had met that, you know, how I met that, that person, what my relationship was like now and what it would be like in the future. It was so powerful for me to write that, um, especially the part where I wrote about my future without my eating disorder in it, because it projected, it like painted a picture for me of what I wanted and what was possible. And so, um, 
And I even wrote in there kind of the similar thing to this John Nash story of like, my eating disorder still comes knocking sometimes, but I don't let her in, you know? So like, I recognized that that might be part of my future, but then I described like the ways that I would be caring for my body and how I would have a vibrant, active family and all those things. And it gave me a picture of what I was hoping the future would look like. So that would be my second takeaway is kind of write out your past. So like the struggles that you faced with that, with food, your present, and then what you hope for, for the future. And then, you know, read that hopeful projection often and envision what's possible for you. Love that. Love that. Should we call it you have one more in your mind? Um, I can, I can give one more. Um, you did give me a heads up on this, but so oh, <laughs> I jotted down fine. a few ideas before the interview. People are like, wow, she's just pulling these takeaways out. I, I brainstormed a little bit before the interview. Um, my third one is um, when you are in the moment, when you're faced with like a craving um, for me, a big struggle. So at the beginning of my eating disorder stuff, it was extremely restrictive, extremely restrictive when my mom was dying. And then, um, during infertility, it, it went to like binge eating and it was always the same eating disorder, but it just kind of manifested differently. It was always about like wanting to control my emotions, wanting to numb my emotions. Um, so third takeaway, if you are, if you have a craving for something, ask yourself, what do I want right now? And so like my counselor just barely walked me through this exercise the other day because I was telling her that I had dropped my daughter off at school and I had thought like, oh yeah, now I can go get donuts, which is fine if that's what I want to do, you know? But I, like then my rational brain was like, you just ate breakfast. You don't really need donuts right now. Is that like the most nurturing choice for your body? And I was like, no, that's not a very good choice for my body. And then I felt like intensely mad and sad that like I quote, couldn't go get these donuts, even though I still could. But so I was talking to my counselor about it and I was like, why did I feel that mad about not getting a donut? Like, that's ridiculous. And she was like, well, this isn't really about the donut. Like ask yourself, what do I want right now? And what I want, like your initial reaction is I want the donut. And then you say to yourself, okay, you can have the donut. But what else? What do you want? Why do you want the donut? Like, what is it that you're wanting right now? And it's like underneath, I want like something to look forward to. I want like comfort and something fun um, before I like launch into my work day. And she's like, so, and then start thinking about other ways that you could get that need met. You can still have the donut, but like maybe you're like, you know, you go home and you read for a little bit before you jump into your work day, or you call a friend or you go for a walk or listen to music. Like you want to diversify the ways that you are meeting your needs so that it's not always just about food and without taking away the option to have the food. She's like, because then over time you've really built in strategies so that, you know, you are able to acknowledge the feeling and you have a variety of things that you could use to fill that, fill that need, including food, but also lots of other ways you could do it as well. So ask yourself, what do I want right now? And get honest and like dig a little deeper 
about what's going on underneath and then brainstorm some different ways you could get that need met. So that's the third takeaway. I love that. I love that. And I think it's really important. We're not exempt from emotions. We can't just, you know, we are women, especially we're going to experience emotions and how can we use those? I mean, how can we respond to those in a way that's supportive and helps us get our needs met? Yes, because most um, issues around food, like either restrictive or binging, actually have nothing to do with the food. (laughs) (laughs) It's always about like, it's always about emotions. It's always about unmet needs. It's, and so we want to just focus on like, teach me like how to control this or how, you know, to check off this nutrition list. And it's like, that's not getting to the root of the problem. There's so much more underneath it always. And so if you can ask yourself, well, what am, what am I really wanting? What am I really lacking? That's where real change will start to happen. It will be slower, but it will be sustainable versus like just doing some plan that is only addressing the surface and not the deeper problems. Yeah. I think I have a podcast episode actually about why emotional eating is good for you because it helps you identify something that's off in your body, right? When you're, when you're experiencing that, it's an opportunity to say, Oh, something's not out of balance or something's, you know, not being met. And this is my opportunity to listen. Yes. It's like such a gift that your body's telling, talking to you and telling you and being like, Hey, I'm stressed out. I need a little like relaxation and comfort. You know, if you can, if you can change the way that you see those cravings or those urges to be, Oh, my body's talking to me. That is a gift versus like, why won't my body stop with this, having these cravings or whatever. So that's a really powerful shift. So great. Well, will you tell us before we sign off, what does it mean to you to be a woman of wellness? So this is such a great question and such a great title for a podcast. I love it. Um, I think of a woman as of wellness as somebody that feels at peace in her body and in her life, that she's like, well, you know, in body, spirit and mind and not at war with herself. And at the beginning, you know, 10 years ago, when I started all this journey, I was at war with myself. I wasn't well not just physically, but like in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart, I wasn't well. And now, even though I'm not perfect, I still struggle with body image stuff. I still struggle with emotional eating at times. I do feel like I am well in my spirit, that I'm at peace in my body and in my life. And that is what a woman of wellness is to me. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for being here. Will you just tell us a little bit more about where everyone can find you? Because you have a wonderful podcast and I want everyone to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. So you can find three in 30 takeaways for moms on any podcast app or at three in 30 podcast.com. And I'm going to send a list of my, um, I think I've probably done at least five episodes on my show that are specific to what I learned in counseling the tools that I have for emotional eating, things like that. And I'll send those to Elizabeth and she can link those in her show notes if she wants. So people have a place to start. And I would just love everybody to come on over to the three and 30 podcast community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me. And um, I hope we get to this again. Yes, let's do it. Okay. My friend, if you love the woman of wellness podcast, 
Did you know that one of the biggest ways you can say thank you is by hitting that subscribe button and leaving a review? This helps the women that need this message have more of a chance of seeing it. And if these messages speak to you, why not share the love? I genuinely care what you think of this podcast. If this particular episode resonated with you, just copy the link and send it to a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at a woman of wellness and I will be sure to send my love right back. And while you're at it, just come hang out with me on Instagram. I share lots more support over there as well. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. I absolutely mean it.